Welcome into Box Office Quarterbacks. Uh, me and Gerald are back at it again. We're talking about Stranger Things Volume 1 and 2. Gerald, before we get to that, how was your 4th of July weekend? Pretty good, man. Just um, I, I actually went back home to Texas for the first time in, a few, in about a year at least. So got to hang out, see some old friends. Also, my mom had surgery, so hanging out with her in the uh, nurse, not the nursing room, the hospital. <laughs> No. It was um yeah no not nursing room she's not that old um she will kill me if she actually hears that so hopefully she doesn't actually watch the podcast like she says she does oh <laughs> <laughs> um well I'm happy everything um is going better with, with your mom but you know speaking of Fourth of July Gerald I would say Stranger Things is kind of like a Fourth of July uh, tradition now. Uh, the last time we got Stranger Things season three, it was set during Fourth of July, and this holiday weekend I spent uh, four or five hours of my life dedicated to this show, so I would avoid spoilers. That's how intrigued I was by season four. Yeah, um, when Volume Two dropped this weekend, since I was flying out of town, I downloaded it on my um, Netflix to watch it on the plane. Um, but I don't know about you. Planes always get me falling asleep for some reason. So I just ended up watching it when I got back from Texas uh, Sunday night and um, worth the wait. I mean, it is four plus hours of greatness, um, This especially volume two. And that last episode, man, just chef's kiss. It's like this show is better than most major motion picture releases. Uh, Netflix ponied up like $200 million, I think I read, for season uh, four, volumes one and two. Obviously, the pandemic stuff played into it because uh, they were filming this during the pandemic. But man, uh, this is on par. I think I, I got like shades of Harry Potter with this season. I don't know if you did too. You're the biggest Harry Potter fan in the world. <laughs> but um, I really got that kind of vibe, like an Order of the Phoenix type of vibe in this one. It, it felt very... Um... Half-Blood Prince, Harry Potter, for sure. It also felt very Avengers Infinity War. It felt Star Wars Empire Strikes Back. I mean, it felt like that big moment before you get the final, final battle, the final thing. Um, and I think I think it's, I don't know if it's been, I don't believe it's been confirmed, confirmed yet, but I think the, the talks are season five will be the final season, um, sounding like about early 2024. So again, going to be huge. Probably going to be somewhat similar to this. We're probably going to see another time jump, right? And I think that's probably the first thing I want to jump into about this um this season, is that the um the the biggest issue, and it's not really an issue to me, is um because you know what happened with COVID, is that the time jump does kind of maybe at first take you out of it a little bit, just because the characters look so much older. You're told it's only eight months in the future, but Will looks like he's finished college and is paying off his student loans. Um, so and I mean like. Um, Steve looks like he's a 28 year old man now, whenever he's shirtless, <laughs> but, um, but like, uh, it's still a very good show. Still very good. Um, so much emotion and character moments in here. And it follows the same formula that we've seen since stranger things season one, where you have three teams of the main characters, all piecing puzzles together to kind of come together in the end and f- put it together and make it work out. Only thing is this time we don't really get that storyline storybook ending i guess yeah so you mentioned the empire strikes back earlier this is very empire strikes back where it's very bleak at the end and you don't know what's going to happen with characters uh i love that because you know sometimes happy endings aren't 
you know, necessarily uh, what you want to see to move the story forward. And this is just building up to that huge showdown with Vecna um, in season five, the final season. Um, I think what this show did great this season is the introduction of a lot of new characters that I thought were good in many different ways. Eddie Munson obviously is the standout and the guy that they're making all the memes for and the tributes and everything. Um, Jason, the jaw character was such a good character that you hated him so much. And it was very satisfying what happened with him at the end. Um, Obviously this is a full spoiler uh, episode, but you can kind of put two and two together of what his fate was at the end. So um, I really liked that aspect of the storytelling. Um, you know, there's so many different great scenes in here as well. Very Nightmare on Elm Street-esque with Vecna as the main villain. Uh, I I think we should maybe go into scenes right now, Gerald, because there's a lot to choose from. Your favorite scenes there's, out of this entire season. There's so many, like you said. I mean, Vecna is terrifying. And I love that, they, like you said, you get that Empire Strikes Back where the, the heroes win, but they don't. They win in the sense of they now know what the big battle's going to be. They know who's – and, like, they're going to be on their own turf. They can make their own rules, and they'll all be together. Um, for the most part, most of the main cast still alive. And there was plenty of times in this season they should have died. But um, every time Vecna killed somebody, I mean, just the, the bone crushing and the twisting of the arms and stuff. So, I mean, it was pretty scary, to be honest. Pretty crazy to see, too. Um, especially when he got Max at the wow. end. Oh, like you just tears coming out of your eyes. Um, Eddie's entire guitar solo, which by the way, um, the song had came out from, and I might be completely wrong. This, I need to find a good quote on it, but, um, the song, uh, I think it was puppet master came out March 3rd, 1986. And the series is based in March 21st, 1986. He had oh, to learn geez. that entire guitar riff in less than three weeks without the internet. Hey, Eddie Munson is a he's a talented he's a, guy. <laughs> he's a guitar god, um, but like his whole like I didn't run this time, did I? And the this is my year, Henson. I got to graduate. Like those two things from him, I think stole it. Um, Stranger Things has become very great in its time in introducing us to characters for a season and giving us a pretty heartbreaking and sad death. Um, I think this one is the biggest one. Yeah, I mean, Bob's was was pretty heartbreaking, but you wanted Joyce and Hopper to get together. So that's why it's like, okay, we see what we did here. I honestly did not expect Eddie to die. I thought he was going to live on to the next season. And I thought Steve was going to die like for weeks and weeks and weeks. That's what I thought was going to happen. I would have loved him to live on, but. Um, his death was very emotional. Like you said, that guitar solo was just badass. Holy crap. Just the colors of the upside down and the music and the lightning and the bats. That's like the most badass way for any character to go out. I would say Um, that's up there. Um, The final confrontation with Vecna in this season where Max, you know, is rising up in the air and Jason is there like, disrupting everything destroying lucas yeah that whole 10 minutes in that room was fantastic um jason's death scene was insane too he gets ripped in half by like the portal 
Um, and then he just like burns almost like Mars attacks or something. But, um, Lucas's acting and Max, and Max in that scene were, were just so damn good. Holy shit. Uh, Caleb McLaughlin who plays Lucas needs to be Miles Morales in the MCU. I was convinced after this. Yeah. He is so good. His fight scenes and then like just seeing his face whenever he realized what was happening to Max the second her body started crunching and like he just went into he went into Spider-Man versus Green Goblin mode just started beating the hell out of that kid. I almost wish he would have been the one to kill him not Vecna's little splitting of the earth thing. Um, But like it was just so great and I mean honestly if um, Justin or whatever didn't come in like they probably succeed a lot better. Max may not be dead right now because he stepped on her play on her cassette. Yeah. So, well, Max, Max is in a coma, right? Is that what well, happened? They, they put a, they put her in a coma. I have a little bit of an interesting theory about that because whenever L in the end, one of the last scenes, she goes into the, um, the, the void to see Max. Cause theoretically, even in a coma, like she was able to see her mom in the void. She can't see Max at all. I think, Vecna has taken Max out of the void and maybe Vecna's using that void inside Max to hide because um, Vecna ran off and disappeared the second Max said that she didn't want to die and she went into the dark space. So wouldn't surprise me if that's how we're going to get Vecna and Max may be actually dead because um, Vecna has shown that he can you know, possess people. He possessed Will in season two. Um, he possessed Bob, what was it, Bobby Wright in season three. Mm-hmm. Um, and also in season three, the way Bobby was like handling himself when he was possessed is very or, or similar. Billy, right? Yeah, Bi- Billy, Billy, Billy yeah, not yeah. Bobby. My bad. Um, but the way Billy was handling, like, walking and talking, very similar to the way that Vecna talked and walked when he was human. Um, so like a lot of interesting little things there. I think we could see Max back maybe as a potential, not a, the main villain, but kind of like as a side Ooh. villain that they have to fight for her soul type of deal to get her to come back. It's like a Jean Grey dark phoenix kind of thing that yeah. would be awesome and will and we can see will with powers too i mean will still can has that connection to him he has that weird connection to the upside down we've never fully explored um so i think we're going to get a lot more of that um we could kill off mike honestly and i think we would have been yeah. fine um, honestly I like him, but yeah go ahead but no, i think I like, the Cal- I, I think the california crew was the weakest part of this season for me yeah unfortunately you kind of had to do that though right you kind of had to separate the characters. Um, if you don't separate them, they're too powerful. I mean, that's what you get when you have a character like Elle, who is a Superman in a sense, where she just doesn't die. Um, I mean, all she has to do is flick her mind and bleed a little bit, and she's going to end people. So, unfortunately, you kind of have to do it. Um, <clears throat> but they were the weakest ones. You turned um, you turned Mike into just he was always upset. I think you did get a lot of good emotional storylines out of there. Um, seeing Will basically come out twice um, was a good was a good emotional storyline. L having to uh, listen to Mike was good emotionally, but it was still probably the weakest storyline. But that's what you're gonna get when you have like a big bad fighting in one, and then you have the reunion between the two main adult characters also fighting a lot of demigorgons themselves. I think. Yeah. The will, the will and Mike scene in the car was great though when he was essentially talking about his feelings for Mike. Um, and saying it was L, that was a fantastic scene. And then Jonathan and Will's scene after that, I thought was great as well. But Jonathan in this season, I I didn't really like, to be honest. 
like he didn't do much but smoke a lot of weed with Argyle. And Argyle is a funny character, don't get me wrong. But if I had to choose between him and Eddie to live, I would have picked Eddie. Yeah. And out of time. Argyle was stronger than John for sure. Like I think out of the California crew, it's Will, Argyle, L, and then like a far drop off is where you get to Will and Jonathan. Yeah. Um, neither of them last. Do, Yeah. But I mean, again, it's kind of what you get when you have such a big character, ba- like, right? Yeah. When you have these many main characters. Um, one, one thing that I'll say that they added that was really surprising was that relationship you got between Eddie and um, uh, Gavin's character. I'm blanking on his name. Oh, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> Cut Eddie and um, um, <laughs> oh oh uh, Dustin Dustin yeah I could I was I wanted to say I just kept calling him for his actor's name but Eddie and Dustin because we already had Dustin and Steve Harrington which are just like the most beautiful bromance between two age separated brothers in the world mm-hmm. um, but then you get Eddie and Dustin, and it's a very similar one where um, Eddie's able to kind of get more of Dustin's weirder side, and I think that really helped. And um, like Dustin was the only main character not at that reunion, other than Steve, yeah. um, from season one, not at that reunion in the end. And instead, Dustin got a very emotional scene with Eddie's dad. God, that was good too. That one like broke my heart. Um, yeah the original cast had a lot of uh, really good scenes to work with this season. Uh, I think the last thing before we get into characters, what do you think of uh, the love triangle that we're now pushing towards next season with Steve, Nancy and Jonathan? This has always been my biggest issue with this show is that it makes no sense for Nancy to be with Jonathan. No. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy took creepy photos of you while you were with your ex. Forgot undressing. about that. <laughs> um, he was wanted for murder, like murdering his brother during all of season one. And like, yeah, she knew it wasn't him, but like everything her character says, doesn't says that she even needs a man, let alone the guy who has all the baggage that he has. And then him being on the other side of the country for the past nine months. It just, Steve is the only logical answer. I think her and Steve are kind of like, um, hopes Han Solo and, um, Princess Leia. Princess Leia. Yeah, like to me. Like I think they like they should be together. Like Leia had her little weird flirtations with Luke and she's having her weird flirtations with Jonathan. And in all reality, I don't think that needs to be a thing. And she should just go to back to her on solo, her Steve. Um, Steve is great and he, he's really become a lot better of a character um, than what he was even in the first half of season one. First half of season one, he came off as a douche. And he's for sure made up for it since. Yeah, he's become my favorite character in the show, and I did not like him season one because he was so such a generic like jock character. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't want him to die. I was very worried for three weeks. I was, uh, in I was worried seasons. he was going to die. I thought they were going to kill Robin off. Um, I thought Robin, Mike, or Steve would die. I thought one of them. Yeah, but I also didn't. I didn't see them not getting with Mike in the California team to Hawkins in time. However, I kind of like it because it doesn't make any sense for them to get there in like three days, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I, I am glad they didn't do that stupid like TV, just like act like this happened type of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I am glad we didn't get that. Um, Papa's death was pretty crazy. Um, C&L just completely take down a Blackhawk in the middle of the desert. Yeah. Like, wow. Wow. There's, there's a lot of X-Men influence in this show. Um, it, it's Yeah, that sequence is great, too. 
Well, but a lot had... of X-Men and Star Wars, as we already mentioned, if you remember, I mean, look at it. L, and I saw this actually on Straw Hat Goofy. He's a big TikToker guy. Um, he mentions that like L is like Luke practicing the Force while Papa is like Yoda trying to train her with the Force so she can go fight the Big Bad mm. while the rest of the team is trying this plan to kill the Big Bad. And you've got um, Leia being, you know, like we already mentioned, Nancy. You got Steve as Han Solo. But then you even have... Um, excuse me with um joyce and um hopper while they're going into the prison the the um, blanking on his name but the the former journalist who is helping them in russia he goes i got a bad feeling about this holy crap yeah so many so many star wars easter eggs in this show in this in the last episode really i think and i mean it makes sense considering you know 80s star wars like it's kind of a thing this is such a nostalgia it's like nostalgia porn the show is just (laughs) Really hit you in the feelings. Um, yeah. So we talked a lot about the characters so far. Um, getting a top five is, is going to be interesting because of so many characters that you have. But I'm going to run through mine. And I think Eddie has to be number one for me in this season. I think he was that strong of a character. Uh, he grips you right from the beginning. Uh, just that, you know, his early scenes with Chrissy in the, in the trailer park and his relationship with Dustin. I'm going to go Eddie, uh, Dustin at number two, three, I'm going to do Steve Four. I'm going to do Nancy five. I think I'm going to do max. And, um, it's just such a big cast that you, and I mean, I, I left Lucas off that list and I think Lucas is going to be like five B for me because he's that strong too. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Um, my number one, like you said, is Eddie. I think Eddie brought the heart and the soul to this this um this season, um, and I think Eddie's storyline, without it, with Eddie's storyline, I feel confident in saying this season propels Stranger Things into one of the best, into that escalon es- escalon of one of the best TV shows ever made. I mean, he brought it. He helped bring it full circle. He helped bring a lot of heart. Um, into season four, which, you know, we've already seen Hart in the show. So trying to find new ways to do essentially the same thing is hard. And they found a very new way to do it in a very amazing way. And um, played by the actor, acted his ass off. Um, my number two is going to be a little surprise, Lucas. Um, I think his storyline, I wish I got more of it, but I think it told us a lot. He um, is the, I mean, and every friend group has this, right? You guys are a little friend group starting young, and then one of them becomes a jock, quote-unquote, basketball player, football player, and they kind of go away. He legit replaced his friends with just jock flavors of them, um, mm-hmm. with Justin being the Mike, and you've got them. You got you had a guy, I don't even remember his name. I don't even know if he got a name, but the one that was wearing a hat all the time was just Dustin, and then you, and oh, like yeah. he was, he was essentially Lucas and Will wrapped into one, and to see... He lost his girlfriend. He loses his friends, essentially. He's on his own most of the time. And he has to convince them. And I apologize for the sirens. Um, but he has to convince them. And then, like, and I liked, like we said, that last scene. I don't know how I could have my, my one of my favorite scenes being him beat the hell out of Justin without him being at least in my top three actors. Because it just seemed like he was he realized finally what he had done. And that without him getting messed with all of that stuff, he might have been able to better help Max. And so at that last second, he gets that last burst and just beats the hell out of Justin. Um, and then also Dustin with his relationship with Eddie and Steve. Because um, I think Steve just brings so much to the show. And then like you mentioned, Max. Um, I mean, Max really is the center point of this season. Mm-hmm. It's really not L. It's how do we save Max? 
Um, I mean, Max brought Kate Bush all the way back in real life. Yeah. So it's just amazing. Yeah, they're playing that song on like the alternative music station um, now, and they're playing, you, you know, this is amongst all the modern songs we have, like Glass Animals and um, everything else. Uh, it, it's just crazy that how big that song has gotten from this season. But yeah, um, what would you say is your final score for this season? I think I'm going to go of Hall fame. of Fame. It's yeah. Hall of Fame. It's, it, no, I don't think there's another thing we can do, right? I mean, there's, I mean, there, it has its little issues, but a lot of those issues come from the fact that it took two years to film it because of COVID. Yeah. Um, we got more Stranger Things than we've ever gotten in one year, I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, because especially with four hours of two episodes, um, we essentially got Infinity War and Endgame in one, um, in two episodes. Yeah. It's crazy how many hours of TV we really got here because... Those last four episodes were over an hour, I think. I, w- I wish more shows would do this, especially the Marvel Disney Plus shows, mm-hmm. because they really get hurt from, you know, we're going to stay set to this 50-minute runtime, and we're not going to go a second over it. So this really proves that you can break the model and you can um, go over the allotted time for the sake of the story. So if you've got Netflix- a director's cut, do it up. And Netflix has been doing this for a minute. It's been breaking the model since it moved to streaming, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, maybe this is something we see more of in the future. Um, I don't know if I want to see it with every show, you know? Yeah. Um, save it. Like, I don't know if I needed it for Hawkeye because um, we're going to get so much other stuff from that. But if you wanted to give me it for WandaVision or, you know, something that was in a feed directly into a movie especially, yes. Uh, Moon Knight, I think, could have used it. Um, WandaVision, maybe Loki to an extent, but um, I, I agree. Like we can, we need to see more stuff like this whenever, whenever it calls for it. Though, like I, I am also against Hollywood overdoing certain things that are good. You know? Yeah, I think ending the show uh, in the next season I think is smart because when you go longer than five seasons, you start running into some weird problems. I mean, you're seeing it with mm-hmm. the CW Flash show. Right now, you know, it just gets repetitive after a while. So I think that is the right move. And I can't wait for for season five. I hope they do the same thing where they divide it into two. I thought that also helped the show, uh, you know, giving us a little bit of a break and then coming back. So that's yeah. something I hope continues. Um, anything else you want to add on the series before we wrap things up? I, I agree. I do want to see the separating of the seasons. Actually, I wouldn't be mad, and, I, and I'm going to get yelled at for this. I think I said it last week in one of our other podcasts. Um, but like, do the single episode release mm-hmm. because it only helps your your press and your attention in the talk of it. Whenever you do, like this, these two episodes came out at once on Friday, and essentially the social media talk of it has kind of died down at this point. Um, unless you're opening to spoilers and you're looking at the spoilers already, but a lot of the social media talk has died down and this just came out three or four days ago. And this Eddie deserves better. It all deserves better. Let us have a week in between episodes to discuss each one, you know? Yeah. Um, but I'm excited to see where it goes. I hope, um, we'll have some fun with it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I hope Vecna dies. 
He's going to get his, that's for sure. <laughs> He'll get his. Uh, from one scary villain to another, uh, we'll be talking about Thor Love and Thunder later this week with Christian Bale's gore. Um, mixed reviews from critics, but uh, obviously we like to uh, not listen to them <laughs> and uh, form our own opinions. So that'll be our next episode. Um, until then, follow us on social media, uh, like and subscribe to our YouTube page. But until then, I am Jeffrey Gordon. He's Gerald Tracy. We will see you guys next week.